You're tuning in to the Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal podcast. If you have a story or a guest recommendation that you think others need to hear, email me at wildweirdandsometimesnormal at gmail.com. Let's get this started. Alex and Brett, kick it! On this episode, I'm joined by cryptozoologist author Tim Moon. Tim has written a book titled Tomato Fields that takes place during the 70s in Washington State. The monster in the book is a cryptid, and even though Tim doesn't mention the type of animal it is, I kept coming back around to Bigfoot the further I got in the book. We have a great conversation about this book, Tim's experience with the strange, his brother seeing a Bigfoot, and we go down many other roads as well. We even managed to squeeze in a Jaws story. I'm in the middle of editing next week's podcast, and Jaws makes an appearance in there as well. Maybe I should turn this into a Spielberg appreciation pod, or how one copes with movie PTSD almost 40 years later. Anyway, an awesome conversation with Tim. Be sure to check him out on IG, and you can grab his book on Amazon. Let him know you heard him on Wild and Weird. Enjoy the show. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients, organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's WILD. A-N-D, weird. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchase that vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email McCoach at kw.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian. And today, my guest is Tim Moon. He is the author of The Tomato Fields, and it is a crypto zoo novelist book. I, am, I almost said uh, crypto novel, and I was like, well, it's not really about Bitcoin. But if no, you have any not. insight into how to get my doge or shib over a dollar so I can retire a multimillionaire, I am here for that conversation too. But Tim, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So The Tomato Fields, I heard you on Tony Merkel's podcast, and yeah. I was very interested and found you on Instagram, and you were so gracious to reply back and agree to come on. So again, thank you so much. No, no can, problem. Can Happy you give... It. Perfect. Okay. Let's go off on the tomato fields a little bit. Can you give some background and insight? Yeah, I'm just... It's a novel. That's why I call myself jokingly a cryptozoonovelist. <laughs> so... It's a play on the word cryptozoology. I wrote it over a period of 10 years, and my goal with it was to try to use fiction to maybe bring people and draw people to this subject. 
who may not otherwise be interested. And I knew that fiction, if you do it right, you tell the stories right, and you develop interesting characters and scary things, you can draw people in emotionally because facts tell, but emotions and stories sell. So what I wanted to do was try to emotionally sell this mystery to people who may not otherwise have come across it or cared much or listened much to facts. And so that was my goal, to just try to draw more people toward the subject and to do it in a way that's fun and scary and entertaining. I think it's so, a great idea. You So you say you started on this 10 years ago? Yeah, I started 10 years ago after my brother told me I'd been studying this subject for a long time. As a kid, I watched the movie Legend of of Boggy Creek, which is a famous cult film on Bigfoot in in Arkansas. It was a real low-budget film, but made a ton of money. And it's just been famous ever since. And But when I watched it, I just said, wow, that's just so cool. And I was scared, I think. But I felt inside that there's something to this, that I shouldn't dismiss this. And so I was always curious when I heard stories and, you know, always talked to people to see if they'd ever heard anything. But then about 20 years ago, I really started studying it and really started reading as many stories as I could get and thought it looked at it as a kind of an or I was a historian and a teacher. So I looked at a lot of the stories kind of like oral history from people. And I, I recognized that that there was just similarities that were just hard to explain. And they were coming from different cultures and different language groups and different countries and different continents and different ethnic groups. and But they were all saying and reporting very similar things. And, you know, I know at, as a normal human being, you can't get very few people to agree on anything, but across culture and language and continent and, and they agree and they say they're seeing the same things. I said, that's just not possible without there being something to this. And so I know there's this much smoke, there has to be fire. And I think people have to keep their head in the sand to think there's nothing to this. What it is, I don't know either, because it's such a mysterious thing. And all the evidence that we have, there's still so many things we don't know. So it fascinates me, but at the same time, I think people should give, give it more credit and be more open and honest to the fact that there's got to be something to this, even though we honestly maybe don't know exactly what it is. So that's kind of what I want. I love mystery. I think it adds a flavor to life. And I love, for some reason, the Bigfoot mystery just never goes away. It, for me, it's always fun. It's always interested. A, another story. I can always listen to another story. So I wanted to use it in a book. And I think I'm making a series out of it. Now I'm doing a sequel now. I'm beginning the, the thought process of working through a sequel. That's awesome. Congratulations. I hope that really takes off. Is this the first book that you've ever written? It's the first novel that I've written, the first fiction. I wrote a small nonfiction book on logic and before. And that was more or less just to to learn how to publish a book. So I took something I'd written a long time ago, and then I published it. And that was the logic nonfiction book. And that was so I could publish this fiction book. But what really kicked this off 10 years ago is I was with my brother, and he and I were working, helping my uncle clean out his house to sell his house. He was elderly. And we were, I think a show came on TV. It could have been Finding Bigfoot or something. 
But I asked him if he'd ever seen anything. He lived in Washington all his life and anything weird. And he proceeded to tell me the the story of uh, on his property of a Bigfoot that he saw come out of the woods and see him and they saw each other and it screamed at him and he smelled it. It was terrible. And he got really scared and ran into his house and grabbed his shotgun. And then he looked back out the window and it screamed for a little while and then turned around and walked back in the woods. And he was freaked, but he said he never told anybody because he was afraid they'd laugh at him. So when he told me, I questioned him quite a bit because I already knew a lot about the subject. And it, and it was like this category five, <laughs> category five Bigfoot story it had everything in it and uh, except getting killed. And I so I questioned him a little bit on it as, to make sure he was being straight with me because that's a big deal. And he got mad at me a little because he thought I was questioning his honesty. But I think he was being very honest and he was very scared. He still gets really scared when he talks about it. Doesn't really want to see one again. <laughs> he said once is enough. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I think it's also good. You can talk to a stranger and they can tell you a story. But if you don't know them, you know, you don't know their personality. You don't know if they're an embellisher or, you know, if they're just straight lying to you. But and I don't know how your relationship is with your brother, but with my family, like you can only tell a story so long before you start cracking up or they're calling you out in your BS. Like, oh, yeah, you got me, you know, or you start changing, changing the facts and making it a different story. Yeah, right. And if he's never been somebody who's like, hey, let me tell you about the chupacabra I saw. Let me tell you about the UFO and all these things. And it's like you're asking him and out of nowhere it comes and it's coherent. It's a flowing story. You know, I think that's. You know, you talk to a stranger and still come away impressed with what they had to say. But, you know, I think for well, you talking yeah, to your brother. Right. Yeah, that's right. There's there's a intimacy there that you just don't have with everybody. That's right. And, Has he um, ever seen it again since? He, no. Um, he <laughs> Thankfully, right? He, I mean, <laughs> he said he smelled it again, the smell once, and he heard some cracking up in the bushes up above his house. And he went out there and he um, looked up. But he heard the snapping. He th- he thinks it was one of them, but he didn't. It was he scared him, so he went back in the house. I would too. I I wouldn't be out there by myself. So oh yeah. But and that's the thing today. There's so much knowledge about these subjects. If you really want to go look for it, so when you hear stories, you got to be careful. Take it with a little bit of grain of salt because someone could memorize all these facts and then spit out a story, but. I always look for fear. <laughs> and if I look for people who seem legitimately fearful when they're telling that their, their voice is cracking or they start to cry, things like that, that tells though it's pretty hard for normal people who aren't trained actors to, to pull that off. So I kind of look for that when I hear a story where are they legitimately frightened? Right. Uh, does it come back and haunt them? Because that, you know, normal life doesn't do that to you. Something has to be pretty dramatic to do that to you. So that's one of the things I look for. I'm sure you saw in the news a few weeks ago that Las Vegas UFO incident that the family said it landed in their backyard or crashed in their yeah, backyard. Yeah, I heard, I heard about it and I saw one of the aliens. It's just, yeah, but I but don't his, know what to take seriously with the media today. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. And I have, no, it's an interesting story. The police officer on his body cam, he caught this blue object following mm-hmm. the news is saying it's a meteor. And then this family in Las Vegas, two children, one was like 14 or 15. The other one was late teens, early 20s. 
were working on heavy machinery, like uh, bulldozers or whatever, and in their backyard for their family's business. And they said that the object crashed in their backyard. And then two eight to 10 foot aliens, beings of some sort came out and sharp teeth. And so an alien, not a being and but called 911. And the, it was the 16 year old who called his name was angel. His voice was so calm, was so like, I just saw a cat run across the driveway. Yeah. So calm. So now is there a, a PTSD? Is there a shock? Is there something happening as he's calling? I don't know. I'm not there for it. I still think it's an interesting story. But one of the things that had me pause for a second is go, hmm, was his call to 911? He's like, no, no, there's two of them out there. They're not human. It's eight feet tall. It was in a, it was in a ship. It's kind of blurred. I just feel like there would be fear. There would be stuttering. There would be cursing. There would be like begging to get somebody out there. And none of that was there. I would, if I was 15 and I saw that in the backyard, I'd be freaking out. So that's just me. I'd be scared. There's very few people who wouldn't be. Eight feet tall with teeth. I mean, geez, that would scare me to death. Yeah. It took the police an hour to get there. And then on the cop's body cam, you can see him first interviewing the family and nobody seems that scared. Like, oh, they were in the backyard for about an hour. And then we heard them on the roof and everybody was just like a squirrel was on your roof or something. I, you know, I found that very curious. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. I, uh, I saw, I saw pictures of aliens and that behind a fence that they said was in Vegas. Yeah. I don't think that ended up being it. I think that was a hoax picture. The, the full bodied one that was extra long. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough on the internet to to find out what's yeah, real or not. Yeah, that's why I take it all there. with a grain of I take it with a grain of salt. My weight. If a story has legs, then there might be some truth to it, <laughs> and yeah. uh, might not be too though. <laughs> oh no, that's and, true too. Yeah, but if you're running and, across but, something supernatural, and as you're relaying it, and I would assume there's probably fear when you first saw it, and when you're relaying the story, that fear probably creeps back up. And if you yeah. can see that in their face, in their eyes, in their voice. That ends that that lens, right? And I show that a lot in the book. I bring that out a lot in the book. I wrote it in the seventies for the seventies, so uh, it wouldn't have any of the modern lingo, and it would still be a surprise to almost everybody that anything like that existed. And when I used one of the people was a police officer who had been in Vietnam and knew what it was like to be scared in war. And that this experience that he had with this animal, he was having he was having flashbacks of Vietnam on numerous ways. And I just tried to make it real like that. Because there is some PTSD elements to the encounters with, with these types of animals. And it's a pretty scary thing when you come across something that doesn't isn't supposed to exist and is very imposing and very big. Um, and not necessarily very happy that they've run into you. So that could that would that could give you some nightmares. Uh, I am not that interested in running into one. I live right by yeah. the Pine Barrens in New Jersey, so heavily oh, okay. wooded area right near me. You got the and, New Jersey? Isn't that a New Jersey Devil there? Uh, yep. So the Jersey Devil and the Pine Barrens. Haven't seen yeah. him. Keeping an eye yeah. out for him. But but there there's a military base probably ten miles away from from me, and you know there's major roadways going through the Pine Barrens. And now some of it definitely is dense and you're off-roading and things like that. But there's supposed to be sightings in the Pine Barrens of Bigfoot. 
they're few and far between. This, this isn't Pacific Northwest. This isn't Pennsylvania, upstate New York, where people, mountains and hilly areas, you might see them more. I just find it hard to comprehend, you know, you know, if you want to get into Bigfoot being interdimensional or something, I guess he can appear wherever, show up in the middle of New York City. But if it is a some type of ape or ape hybrid or whatever living off the land, it'd be very hard, I think, in in the Pine Barrens type area for this thing to exist and and not have it be found or anything like that. Yeah, I think that that's true. They have to have pretty substantial areas to be able to uh, subsist, I think. And they do live off the land. I don't know what else they do. They might do other things. I don't discount anything anymore with portals and stuff. Uh, Who knows? But um, I do think that they have to be in very large areas and they have to have cover. For some reason, they're vulnerable. So they have to have cover. They can't just snap their fingers and hide. They need trees. <laughs> to, it, it protects them to some degree. So, again, I don't have it all figured out, but I oh. think that you're right. They have to have substantial areas to roam in. That's what I would think. And I've not been the Pacific Northwest. You know, I've seen movies and documentaries and things like that. So I get the idea of it. But driving up through upstate New York, I was going on a trip with my wife to the Finger Lakes, and you're going up into northeastern Pennsylvania and then into upstate New York. And there are just mountains and and the trees just go straight up and it is just a straight climb. And there are no roads to get in there. It would be very hard. The kids aren't in those woods playing. Even hunters, I think, would have a hard time going through there. So if you want to tell me that there is a type of species that can navigate that type of area and not be seen regularly, I find that much more believable than a flatter land like New Jersey. Are there sightings in Texas? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah? There's there's a lot. East Texas is a real source of them. In fact, historically, Davy Crockett tells a story of going through on on the way to the Alamo. He left Kentucky and was heading for Texas because he was mad because he had lost an election and his hopes for being president were out the window and he camped out in the in the East Texas, probably the Sam Houston National Park. He says he saw a big a Bigfoot came and talked to him, and it talked to him with without speaking. It was talking to him uh, without words, but it said it told him not to go to Texas, that it wouldn't go well. And this was he wrote this down, or he told somebody who wrote it down. It's you can probably find it on a Google search. Yeah, just Davy Crockett Bigfoot thing, but. The deal is that they've been having sightings there for hundreds of years. And there's a lot of disappearances. People disappear in the big thicket, they call it. Now, not all of that's not Bigfoot. You know, some people think it's UFOs. Some people think it's it's drug drug dealers. (laughs) You know, but a lot of people in this area, in the triangle area of big thicket and Houston and are just disappear and you never see them again. Oh, wow. Without a trace. So there's a lot of mystery. There's mysterious lights that occur in the in the big thicket. There's some UFO activity. There's even some dogman activity. So there's qu- quite a bit of weird stuff. And there's a lot of crime going on there with drug dealers and uh, illegal immigration. And so um, it's right today. It's a it's a it's a lot of different things that could be a threat to you there. Right. But there. But. You know, I think there's been some 
documented Bigfoot activity. So I'm going to use that area as probably the setting for my next book. Yeah, that'd be good. So what I what I really enjoy is that history books are used. Even when it's all like the French Revolution, somebody will find a diary and believe that word for word, put in the history books. And they're like, oh, you know, they documented, they put in the newspaper that this happened, and this is 100% fact. And then here's Davy Crockett, where you could probably look at his autobiography and 80% of it would end up in the history books. And they'll look at this and be like, well, actually, that was uh, that was an allegory. And what he was really trying to do was explain how he lost the election and really tie it to this and not take what he's saying word for word. Yeah, I I, I didn't hear about that story for till like two years ago. I All my life, I've been studying this in history and Bigfoot and everything, and didn't hear a thing about it. Also, Daniel Boone killed one. He actually killed it. And oh, he wow. wrote down, it came out of the woods and he killed it with his musket, whatever he used, you know, and that's documented. And Teddy Roosevelt didn't see one, but he documented a story of someone else who told him about what happened. And that you can find on the internet. He's the first private citizen, well, famous, maybe the first famous, I don't know how you categorize because he did it before he was president, but he, he documented that story. He was a prolific writer. He wrote over 40 books before he became president or roughly before, after a little bit too. But he, he documented one of the first Bigfoot stories by Europeans and Caucasians in America. When you're in the woods, and you know, so we're talking about the, I'll go back to the Pine Barrens real quick. And for my discounting that there's Bigfoot there. Now I've never seen it. So, but if someone else did, that's, that's fine too. But when it gets dark in the woods, it's very easy to get turned around for a small animal to make a big noise for all the, all the bugs to really come yeah. alive at night and and disorient you a little bit. And, you know, when the settlers first came, the Europeans first came, you know, you can look at history books or, you know, look at whatever. And it'll talk about that a squirrel was able to go from New Jersey to San Francisco and never touch the ground. That it was all just trees all throughout and it could just go across. Yeah. Within that, you can't see more than five, 10 feet into the woods. So for the Europeans to have a documented sighting, I think it's very possible that as as we're talking about, they, you know, the Bigfoot would need a larger amount of land to move around to keep the cover they want to to blend yeah. back in to the woods. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine Europeans coming from Europe, Western Europe, maybe a little bit of Eastern Europe, and all of a sudden seeing just the massive amount of trees and massive amount of wilderness here. It must have been a shock to to them to see just mile after mile. And they didn't even know how far it went because it went, I mean, east, just like you, you said, the squirrel could stay in the trees all the way to San Francisco. It must have been a real mystery. I saw a couple videos lately that may or may not be true, may be faked, but you only saw the creature for a second. And in that second, it looks pretty clearly like it's a Bigfoot type animal. Okay. Fake or real, I don't know. But the the fact that one second it's visible for one second and then it's gone, just because of the nature of the woods and the forest that it's in and its speed and the way it moves. And think about how often people miss them. They're just out there camping and looking at the trees and throwing rocks in the water, and the thing runs right past them. 
or right down, you know, down from them and they miss it. I bet you that happens all the time, 10 or 12 or 30 times the times that they actually see something. 100%. I mean, just think of your own home. You see some out of the corner of your eye and you're like, oh, wait, was that something? Was that was that, was that my cat? Was right. that my child? Was that whatever? Right. And now right. in the woods, you're just missing half of it. Like, oh, you know, I have no you idea. Yeah, you miss most of what you're not looking for. So I think that's why we don't see them. We don't find them more. We don't notice them more. We're not going to catch them. They're just not, unless you are really a skillful hunter, you know, and you've got uh, some buddies that are hunting with you. But they're just too good at what they do. Do you think they're being protected as much as they can by government officials, by you know, rangers or anything like that of, of trying to keep certain areas? No, I think this is what I honestly think. And I'm, and I'm not saying this cause I know it's true. It's just based on what I've read and looked at and thought about, this is just kind of what I've come to. First of all, if you'll notice, there's a lot of signs going up on trees in Oregon and Idaho saying that there's Bigfoot around here and they're going up there by the rangers. <laughs> the rangers are putting those up because when I see them online, I asked the people who are posting them, where'd you get this? Because I want to make sure they're not just computer-generated hoaxes. And they tell me that I've had two people now tell me, that give me the exact location and people they talk to, that the rangers are putting these up. And they're saying, just be careful. Leave them alone. They probably won't bother. I mean, that if that's really happening, then the rangers are doing something to intervene between the cover-up that the government is doing and and the regular people who are innocently out in the woods and don't know anything about it. so, But I think it's been covered up a long time. My belief is that it's covered up because it's part of a much bigger mystery that's related to who we are in this universe. Because this universe is really big, and it's not Earth-centric, and it's billions of stars and trillions of planets over 92 billion light years of space in 14 billion years old. It's just unbelievably large. And to think that we're the only planet that has life. And I think that there's been life visiting this planet. There may very well be life on this planet that we don't know about. And it's very possible that these creatures are some have some connection to planets off of ours. And so I think that the government has covered it up for the most part because they can't do anything about it. They, even if they know, the, I think the best they can do, they can't really protect people. But if they find a situation where one has gone rogue, for lack of a better term, I think they can send the special forces out to take care of it. And then they just kill them if they are causing problems. But otherwise, they leave them alone. And they they don't tell us about it because there's nothing we can do about it anyway, and they don't want to maybe cause a panic. But I think when we know what's more about what's going on out there in the universe in terms of other t- extraterrestrial type of life, the the mystery of Bigfoot will fall into place. They kind of like they'll go, oh, that makes sense now, <laughs> you know? Oh, right. of course, yeah, now I get it, you know. But it's part; it's a micro micro part of a macro mystery it's a a micro mystery in a macro mystery and that's why we're not going to know the more they talk about opening up the real issues with with these 
aliens and what's going on out, you know, who's visiting our planet, which they're doing very slowly. <laughs> if I announce a month ago that that we've captured alien spacecraft, that should not cease to be the head story in all the news until we get to the exact bottom of that. And it's just, it's just the media is just criminal almost in how they handle the, 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 the things that we're dealing with today in our country. I agree. A few quick points real quick. So yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I saw in the news, maybe space.com or somewhere. So we're in the Goldilocks zone. Earth is in the Goldilocks zone. You know, we're not too hot. We're not too cold. We have just the right amount of water and oxygen, hydrogen, and we produce life. And 20 years ago, they, you know, we were the only planet that did that, maybe 30 years ago. And then they started finding the Hubble telescope found every once in a while, they would find one planet. And then they realized that all the stars typically have planets going around them. Now I just saw yesterday that they think there's a hundred times more Earth-like planets in the solar system than they originally estimated. And that estimate oh, has gone up a lot in recent years. And now they think it's a hundred times more. Yeah, I'm sure, certain of that. Oh, yes. But for them, to, you know, that's why science, it's it's nice. But then also, it's sometimes just painful. We're like, oh, we're the only ones. Like, well, you don't know that. And then it's well, like, oh, there's only one that, planet. I don't think that's science-driven. That's the problem. When they say trust the science, when someone tells me that, that just tells me they don't know what science is. Okay, you don't trust science. <laughs> you, you do science. And doing science means you don't trust a lot of stuff <laughs> until you prove it to you. But science can't teach us. Science can't teach us that there's not planets that take life out there. That is a more of a worldview. We're going to believe that there's nothing else out here, that we're it, that we're the center of it, and everything revolves around us, and we're not going to mess with those beliefs. And then we're going to say that's science. That's, that, no, I don't, no scientist can look at the, the size of this universe and say, oh, there couldn't be no other life out there. I don't think a, an honest scientist could say that. No, that that is a good point because science is like like trust but verify. So like, okay, exactly. here you're saying, and I'm going to go test and see if we can do it. And I have an idea, and I'm going to go do this out of the box idea, and that's right. how we get all different scientific inventions. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's true. That is more government or religious of you know we're the only ones here, and the Earth goes around the Sun. I was like, ah, no, actually, the Sun goes around the Earth. Uh, whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. It just yeah. And, so anyway, I, uh, right. Uh, so the UFO story in December 2017, I believe it was the New York Times came out and it was all about the the Tic Tac video yeah. and coming out. And I really thought, I was like, this is it. Like we're living through disclosure. This is going to be every single day. We're going to talk about this until we finally get aliens on the White House lawn and, and we have to go shake their hands or whatever. And that fell off so fast. And then you have D David Grush. I'm not 100% yeah. sure how to say his last name, but he yeah. just came out high up in the Pentagon, says, hey, there's a secret program going on above me, off the books. They're recovering UFOs. They're recovering full intact UFOs. They're recovering partial UFOs. They're recovering the pilots of these UFOs. We have all this stuff. We're giving the technology to private companies for them to reverse engineer, and nobody has a handle on any of this. And again, it maybe it's our own fault. Maybe it's, maybe it's this... Twitter universe we live in, where we're only as good as our last tweet, where you know our, our attention spans ten seconds. What used to be months of a, a headline news story is now over in a day. Yeah, it, it's really. I thought this would be a lot more. And the other day, they just had the interviewer 
Ross Colthart, I believe his name is. And he came out and said a UFO was so big. This is a story that he right, truly believes. He's been told yeah. numerous times. He knows the location of, of where this is. He's not it, ready to reveal it, it yet. Out, it's away from the country. It's, it's outside, outside the United States. So that yeah. could be Canada or Mexico or other parts of the world. But anyway, the UFO is so big, they could not move it. And instead, they built a building around it to hide it. Yeah, that's. I heard that too. I saw it on Instagram. Yeah, I don't understand how this is not, you know, Congress, let's get some hearings. Let's get some people in here. Like Black budgets, I understand we need black budgets for military, for research and development and build the next greatest nuclear bomb because we need to blow up more stuff than we already can. Fine, I get that. But they're sitting here and saying that there's millions of dollars being misappropriated, being spent that they're not aware of, special teams going in and recovering UFOs. I I just understand how it's not front page news all the time. Our media is broken. It doesn't work anymore. It's it's directed in almost entirely politically. And, Everything's political. It, it's and exhausting. It's, no, you, I don't believe any of it anymore. I only believe, I'll, I'll believe what I read more than what I see on broadcast news. And a lot of the, even the written stuff, the, the newspapers are so, so political that you can't trust anything they're saying anymore. That's just sad. You cannot trust the news anymore. It's just a bad situation. So they are the guilty party. I think all of our nation's problems are somewhere they are located in what has happened to the news, what has happened to the media. It used to be the news held politicians accountable, and they had to answer, politicians had to answer to the people. Both both parties. They're all the same. Not just one. Not just one. Both parties. Right. Now they only handle one, and only the ones that don't want to spend a bunch of money and rack up more on their national debt. You know, those are the enemies. It's just ridiculous. Big government, big business, big media, they're all in cahoots. I th- and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I've come to this slowly because I just didn't believe any of that. But it's hard not to believe it now. Right. We were talking about the scientists. And part of the problem is, if you found, if you found Bigfoot, if you found true evidence of Bigfoot, and you worked at Harvard, they may not re- renew your grant and you're going to be out yeah. on the streets without a job. Yeah. So yeah. is it, do I bring this to the world? And we see what happens to, to whistleblowers. We see what happens. Julian Assange comes out. That video now that he released 10 years ago, whatever it was, now nobody would blink an eye about it. Like, oh, oh great. No, we're just droning people. Yeah. That guy's locked up for life. He's never getting out ever. It, what's the point? Why come out? Like, okay, great. I have this cush job in a university, a great cafeteria. And I get to do 90% of the stuff I want and 10% of the stuff I have to push to the wayside. But yeah, and then I don't go to jail, right? Right, yeah. Or lose my grants. I know, it's big money. Big money's controlling everything. Yeah. So then uh, it comes down to it, independent people and then, you know, the mainstream media or, you know, people who are, aren't aware, like, well, who reported it? Well, I never heard of them. What university are they attached to? Well, they're not real then. Like, no, you're missing this. This is the, the circle of viciousness that we live in. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah you're tough. right. You're yeah. right. It's tough. But I think that there's some hope that might be some reason for hope. I think people are tired of it. And it's not just a couple here and there. I just hear more and more people say they're just done with it. And they're done with the lies and they're seeing through it. And so I think it's getting through. I'm still shocked to see how blind some people are. But I can't <laughs> make someone 
open their eyes, you know? You can I, lead a horse to water, right? That's it. But yeah. but I do think a lot of people have are being led to water and they're seeing it and they just don't buy it anymore. They don't buy the company line anymore. And yeah. I'm just hoping enough have done that soon enough that we can save our country because we really are in dire shape right now. From any side you're looking at, you know, I, I I could probably triple my viewers if I leaned one way or the other more. I try to keep this very straight and narrow. Right. And and yeah. my straight and narrow statement for everybody is it is not going great for anybody except for the people getting paid at the very top of all this. The big like, money. The yeah. big money people. That, it's just tragedy. Yeah. And the they, little guy, the little guy's just getting taken out. Anyway, I don't want to yeah. be fear and monger no, and everything. I but, understand, but, yeah. So at the end of this I'm, month, though, they're supposed to have uh, David Grosh. I'm butchering his name. Sorry, David. Yeah, uh, I can't. I don't know how to say it either. So yeah, everybody knows what I'm talking about. He's supposed to have. Uh, I think he's going to be in Congress for a hearing, and I think it's supposed to be an open door hearing. I'm hoping that this kind of breaks the dam, and I think I once so. UFOs are out, we're going to start yeah. getting answers to these other mysteries. I think, I think this so is too. what's going to pull everything out. And I think that there's something. It's possible. The one story I've heard that explains why they would cover things up is that some of the aliens aren't that great <laughs> and they want to harvest people and they've been doing that. And the, some of the government has been allowing them to do it for trading secrets. That is something that I can't, uh, that could be possible based on what I know about how government works, uh, you know, and how people work, how corrupt people can be. I could see aliens being corrupt too. And if that's going on, I could see why the government want, wouldn't want us to know that they're harvesting people in the, the national forest. <laughs> well, they're supposed to be the deal with Eisenhower, I think, in the in the 50s. They, he made the deal with the Greys, and they could abduct some people, and we would get some technology. Well, and, yeah, I've heard that. You know, Right. And even if that happened later or whatever it might be. And we talked about this with even with Bigfoot. Like The government doesn't like to come out and say, I don't know. They like to have an answer. For everything. Or I can't control it. So, and that was the other part is, so, oh, there's UFOs flying the sky. Shoot them down. Uh, well, we tried to, but they just avoided it. You know, they, yeah. So those three objects, they, they had the Chinese balloon that came across from Wisconsin over to yeah. the Carolinas, whatever. They shot down off the coast of Carolina. Then the three other objects, Absolutely. and one of them was shot over Lake Huron, and it took two Sidewinder missiles. It took $800,000 of missiles to shoot down an object. Which then they came out and was like, oh, actually, it was a Hobby Lobby balloon for the Boy Scouts. Yeah, great. That's not true. That's you know, I mean, if it is, then whoever that pilot is needs to not be a pilot anymore, or whoever invented the locking mechanism. Guys, I watched Top Gun. That's not how this works. You lock, you shoot. It's good to go. Maverick wins. And you know, <laughs> you know, twenty miles away, what you're shooting at. Right. For them to you're be not, unsure, and I think it's a balloon. So what it shows yeah. is they can't control what's in the sky. So that's th right. all, all that's going to do is now you can't turn to government to save you. You can't turn to Big Brother. And it's just going to be whatever country can control it is like, we are your savior. Come come over to us. Or know. we can take care of ourselves and tell them to go jump off a bridge. Um, yeah. there, there might be some of that. I mean, we might be better off without a big government. Well, probably too big now. But <laughs> let's, let's pull this back into Bigfoot. Have you ever experienced oh. anything with Bigfoot? Not not that. I've seen UFOs. I've been out in the woods a bit with hunting, but I have never honestly say I could got close to seeing any any Bigfoot. But I've seen, you know, those triangle UFOs? Oh, yeah. 
when I was in, just out of college in the 80s, I went to a concert. And we after the concert, we came outside and uh, we noticed there was a triangular object moving around up above us. It was not really lit up. It was just lighter than the dark night sky. So it was clearly visible if you looked close. And we, I don't know who saw it, but we watched it. And it would just, in a particular area that was stayed above us, but it would move in straight lines across that area like it was moving in a pattern of some kind. And it just did the same thing over and over and over for about 10 minutes. And we watched it, and we couldn't figure out what it was. And we finally... It never. It just kept doing it, and we didn't know what to do, and so we just got in the car and went home, and never saw it again, until we started seeing all these things about triangular video, uh, UFOs, and I got. I that was just recently that that stuff started coming out, but this was thirty years ago, so I called a friend of mine who was with me when we saw that and asked her if, if she remembers that she remembered it vividly, I think we may have seen them when they were maybe just in the making. Maybe they were just making them. Maybe it was our technology that we were reversing. Maybe yeah. it was a UFO that was just, for some reason, hanging around that area and doing maneuvers. I don't know. I still don't know. But, yeah, that was pretty amazing seeing that. Do you remember what concert you saw? It was Bill Cosby. Okay. That, they made the like comedy. I saw two comedians there. Could have been the comedian. I saw Bill Cosby. Do you remember the guy who said, I, I can't get any respect? Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield. I saw both of those comedians there at one time or another around the same time. So it was either one of those, but I think it was Bill Cosby. I'd say so, they like pudding pops, maybe. Maybe they do. He was pretty, <laughs> he was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> so and I, I like... You could have said whatever you want with that story, and I would like to. But I, whenever they talk about the triangular UFOs, it makes more sense to me for an alien UFO not to have lights. So for you saying that it was, you know, you could see it because it wasn't as dark or it was darker than the sky. So the, the color was different than the background. That makes sense for me. When people talk about seeing the the giant triangle, I'm like, oh, it had three red lights. Well, why did the ship go through space? Like, wherever it's coming from or transverse space time what are those little red lights it doesn't need landing lights it doesn't need safety lights and whenever yeah i don't know whenever i hear that it always confuses me that seems more like our technology you know maybe being reversed and if we want to hide it though why do we want to have lights on it Uh, yeah maybe not to get hit by another plane like that'd be maybe that's it i don't know yeah but that but i since heard that when you uh, cloak something to the degree that we know how to do it if we know how to do it, it it doesn't completely make you disappear. It just like a shadow. You become shadowy, maybe. That's it's like it, the predator lighter. that they used in the, yeah, the short segment with the predator. Yeah, maybe something like that. That yeah. That you can still see it if you look close enough, but you got to be looking really close to see it. And maybe that's what we were seeing. Maybe that's why we could see it a little bit, but it didn't look lit up. So I wonder about that too. Yeah, that I was think that's a great sighting. That was a great trooper for you. Great comedian, and then you come out and you see a UFO. That's like yeah, two that chances was, in a lifetime. I don't think we real we appreciated the irony of that 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 I do now, but 
it was just kind of a curiosity to us at the time. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, you're right. It was it was a it was an interesting evening. There was one other time when I was a kid and I was driving in Idaho and my brothers were in the back seat and I was watching this airplane, what I thought was an airplane. It was at night and we were coming back from a drive-in movie theater and it was they were old Idaho roads. So they were, you know, the two lane highways and in a lot in the woods. And I saw this this light and it looked like it was going across the sky like an airplane. And suddenly it did a, a hundred, what is it, a, a 180 degree turn and went a completely different direction. And I said, you guys, check that out. And they start watching because I'm driving and I can't wait. After a while, I can't watch it anymore because it go. But they said it's going back around and it's starting to follow us. And they were telling my brother saying, it's following us. It's following us. We've got to get out of here. So I drove as fast as I could without, you know, getting in a wreck or something. And we jumped down on some dirt roads and took dirt roads down toward the cabin that we were staying in. It was a place we'd go for a couple of weeks during the summer. And we were able to get away from it, for, for lack of better terms. I'm sure it wasn't trying to get us or it would have. But it did scare my brothers. And it scared me to the degree that they were scared. And I was driving and I had to get out of there. But that was unusual. That was an unusual experience. And that same summer, my mom had mentioned having seen a UFO and my uncle too, up on one of the mountains above the lake that we stayed at, go down and up or up or start up and go down into the trees. And again, life happens kind of fast when you're a kid and you don't always remember everything as clearly as maybe an adult would have when they heard those stories but they were all combined together and the and so but that did happen and it was kind of unusual and a little scary for a while but that's about what i've seen with in terms of ufos okay the when you were at the concert was your brother with you no it was uh just friends from college and one of their mom the girl's mom was there too and then i think her sister and me and her and maybe one other person so and when you were driving you said brothers plural yeah my i have three brothers and they were with me so one of them who saw the ufo then saw bigfoot uh this one of them was the same yeah yep Mm -hmm. yeah sometimes you'll hear stories and it seems like hey once you once you catch one they they kind of keep coming again and again you'll start seeing different things he's a little bit of a magnet for paranormal stuff yeah because he's also seen ghosts. He's seen another example of a UFO that flew over his head. And he was with some buddies at work after work. And they were putting things away and having a beer. And something flew out of the water, the Hood Canal there, and flew over their heads really fast. So, But that was they knew it came out of the water because water was dripping on them from the sky. And, and oh, wow. seashells, seashells and stuff were falling all over and and it blocked the sun going past their house briefly for and they all looked at each other and said what was that you know you know or, or no one could figure it out and then they just blew it off and finished working but he said he never forgot that it, but it was just over in an instant so who knows <laughs> just, but nothing we know that we have could have done that Oh yeah, no. We have very oh. hard time submerging and then coming out at, at quick speeds. Fast. It was fast. It was up in the air, up in the sky before. Yeah, they knew what was going on. So, 
anyway, that would surprise me. So he and he's had some ghost experiences. So I think some people are just magnets for it. And that's how I describe it. And I'm not as much of a magnet. I think you're right that some of that is true. I think the world's in for some interesting times. I kind of want to see it happen. I'd like to see some of these mystery mysteries get solved, but at the same time, it could be bad news. <laughs> yeah, or, hey. or some bad news and some good news. And are you familiar we'll with see. Dr. Stephen Greer? He does CE five, the Close Encounter fives. They go in the desert in Arizona and they meditate for the aliens to appear. And then apparently, no. there's a good hit rate. But it's one of those things of you're calling, you're intentionally asking for something to come. You don't really know what you're asking for. And like what are acceptable or, you know, what we agree upon as society, like you can't go outside and beat somebody up for the most part, you know, you'll get arrested. But no one's really going to stop these aliens if they come and decide they want a demonic possession or something or whatever they might want to do or abduct you. you know, yeah, who knows? They, yeah. You know, though, but it's interesting that you bring that up because I've thought about, I, I like meditation. I I practice it a lot because it's uh, very it does a lot of good things for me. I can go into more of that if you're interested. But I've thought about doing that with regard to Big Bigfoot using because they do speak telepathically. You know, legend legend says they they do. And if that's the case, I'm wondering if you would go to the same spot on a regular basis and do some some meditation and and. When you're meditating, you can, with your thoughts, think thoughts toward them and talk to them with just your thoughts and and the belief that they might be listening and talk back. I don't know. Please don't don't say I'm saying this for sure, but it's just come just made me wonder if you could not telepathically communicate yourself with them. Yeah. Um, if they speak to you telepathically, it seems that you could be able to start a conversation. And that is what Stephen Greer does. For UFOs, he takes people out in yeah. the desert. Yeah, I'll shoot you over a link to to him. I'd love that. I'd love that. And I think that we probably earlier in history, when we didn't have all the the fancy tools we have now, I bet you we did use telepathy more, and we used our sixth sense more because we needed to. We were vulnerable, and we got away from it when we built when we got fire and wheels and and then tools iphones to stare at nonstop, and we don't need refresh cat videos we don't don't need it anymore but i think we still have the ability to use it so but it's just dormant right i I definitely think that there are ways you could strengthen that muscle you know that's just a weak muscle but prior to people having things to do you hunt you gather you cook you tell the story and then you kind of stare up at the sky you look at the stars and just naturally start thinking, or maybe yeah. you have a practice of meditation within whatever group you're in. But it, you know, I, I do think they're the sightings or calling out to somebody and receiving an answer probably was a lot more or a lot more common. I, I, I wonder, you know, I, I don't discount that. I think also before firearms, uh, gunpowder, I think people and, and cryptids had more, more encounters. They were more likely to see each other, probably more common than it is today, because I think the gunpowder has become an equalizer, and they know that we're a threat now, and they stay keep their distance. So I wonder if that's not true. 
yeah, I don't know why you'd want to really interact with us. You just, I'm not going on a whole environmental environmentalist tangent, but we cut things down. We yeah, we pour concrete. We make things hard and ugly and big cities. You know, and we shoot things. We shoot things. Just shoot each shoot other. Them. We shoot things. Yep. We shoot. You know, it's like yeah. Maybe, maybe I, I don't I hang out with these guys. Stories. Yeah, I've heard stories where once I heard the whole story, I can understand why the human was scared. And I can understand why fear caused them to shoot the the animal, but I don't think the animal was doing anything wrong. I think the animal was probably trying to communicate the only way they know how, and then they got shot for it. <laughs> and, and it was kind of sad to hear a story when I, I've only heard two or three, but it's sad because you don't want the animals to get killed for nothing. And right. but I think many of them have been killed by a hunter. Uh, who just is scared and does the instinctual thing and doesn't know anything about it, never seen anything like this. And some might be getting killed by people who just want to kill things. Right. You know, I some, think they're so bad, big. It's... Bad people. There's some bad people. Oh, yeah. I think they're so big that they're not easy to move. So you have to right. leave them wherever they are. And now we're getting back into park rangers or other Bigfoot coming and getting them. Right. And, and kind of getting back to that would be possible so i was listening to one podcast a few months ago maybe a year ago and they were talking about the the tasmanian tiger in australia uh-huh. so it was an endangered species and they said it died off and now there's all these trail cams are catching the tasmanian tiger and it's not a crypto or anything it's just a right. species that's supposed to be dead and now it's back and it has kind of like if i'm remembering correctly kind of like stripes on it's a dog like thing and has like stripes on its side and like a little bit of fur and it's you're not mistaking it for anything else. When they show a picture of these things they had in the early 1900s, and you see this person's trail cam, like, wow, that's the exact same thing. Yeah. But the Australian government is like, no, 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 they are not. Doesn't exist. Not around. And the person then, they- so they thought that if you come out then and say that it's an endangered species, suddenly that entire area becomes locked down. You oh. can't develop that area anymore. If you're having okay. pass through roads or anything, and now that's off limits, and you have to give this animal its territory that it has. And in the Pacific Northwest, when they were saying this, in my head, I clicked maybe for Bigfoot. These loggers, they don't want to stop cutting down trees up there. That's a huge industry up there. So if you yeah. come out and you can prove that Bigfoot's there, well, you can't really go cut down their home if that's the only one that we know of in existence or the only couple and they happen to live in that area. You know, so does that shut down business? Is that part of the, you know, the, the big government cover-up is that part of it though, of, Hey, if we acknowledge these one to 100 animals across the country, do we have to lock down their areas and, and not develop there anymore? And cynical to look at it as like a money type of thing, but look at government, everything's always about how do we make more yeah, money? How could, do we develop? It could, it could be, I don't know. I am a little bit because it seems like if the right people are in power, they'd have no they have no problem trying to destroy different industries. So I've always wondered, well, if like the spotted owl, for example, they had no problem destroying those that all the lumberjacks then. Why would they suddenly have a problem doing it now with with Bigfoot? And and you're not supposed to destroy my arguments here. You're supposed to be on my side. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> trying to do that. Just an idea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I just don't know. That's all. There's a lot of stuff yeah. I just don't know. And I just, 
So it could it could be that it could be a lot of different things. I don't know, but I I just try to to do the best I can to fumble through stuff and try to come up with answers. Yeah. What what is your favorite topic to research? Of uh, of what? Just overall, or uh, well, in, in the cryptid or in the strange world, or I mean, we can do normal as well if you'd like. Well, it's probably Bigfoot. You know, that was the one, but. That's now expanding toward the, the portal ideas and some other things that I think are kind of interesting and may include in the sequel. If you read just the last chapter of that book, <laughs> if you want to, he, the, one of the characters opens up for a sequel. Characters introduced that opens it up for a sequel and explains, tries to explain some of the mysteries around this issue specific to Bigfoot and that opened the door for a sequel. And I'm going to, so that's what I'm doing now, but it'll be in Texas instead of Washington state. And it'll probably involve one or two of the same characters from Washington state. Now did you pick the seventies because you said you didn't want like the modern lingo or I guess the technology right. in there. And right. that was the, the main reason. I'd like to keep them both out and I'm going to stay with that. So, I think that's good. Have you seen the, the Netflix show, Stranger Things? No, I haven't. So that's a, it, it's, um, I forget the brother's names. So I think there's four seasons on Netflix and it takes place in the eighties and, uh, the government is opening a portal and then a demon comes out and there's a whole oh, no. quarter world oh. to live in. And it's a pretty good show, but it takes place in the eighties. So all the kids, uh, adults like myself who grew up in the eighties, you're going back and they're showing, you know, the ghostbusters lunch pack and they're playing the eighties music. That you uh, you know that I might not have heard for the last 30, 35 years. So it's a it's a big nostalgia grab. And I think that's what oh. made it popular for you know that 35 to 50-year-old crowd to really pull it in. And it's also good for kids. It's a little scary, but it's not like horribly scary. It's not like a Stephen King murder movie. Yeah. You know, but it's just a little creepy. So I think that 70s is good. You know, that's something that you know, I, I hope you get all the success you want with the book, but it also seems like something that could get spun into some type of, you know, if you were dick to do the movie, that 70s music brings people back, that 70s grittiness of, of the shows. Kind of takes, it's uh, one of the things that inspired me was Jaws. Great movie. But I wanted to do, I wanted, I love Jaws. It's one of my favorite movies, but I wanted to, I've never read the book. So it's funny that a book is inspired by just the movie. But what I wanted to do was create attention throughout the whole book. Just like there was always attention with Jaws from the very beginning to the end, there was tension. And, and I've kind of tried to do that with the book. And I've had a couple literary people tell me, they think I did it. That's great. <laughs> they think I accomplished. That's pretty cool. That's a big compliment to me. So, but I love that movie. So I'd love to see Jaws on land, you know, kind of like this could be that. Yeah. Jaws, even still on Sunday, I went out on a fishing trip with my son and some of his buddies and their dads. And we went off of we in the Atlantic Ocean off the tip of Cape May right there. And mm -hmm. we far. I mean, I'm not this great swimmer or anything. Even if the boat was the sink, I'm pretty sure I could have swam to shore. It wasn't that far off. Like you could see the people on the beach. You could see there were people. You can like make out def defined like what they were doing. Anyway, Jaws has done such a number on me that even just the thought of getting in the ocean, right? I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna get eaten by a shark. Oh man, 
I'm in a pool. Everyone's like to jump out and just double check. The shark's not in there. We have a lake in our, it's a freshwater lake. There's no connection to the ocean. Every once in a while, it's just that that dread of the water. Like, oh, they did Steven Spielberg. Congratulations. Genius. Genius. He still has genius. me. Yeah. Can't handle I, it. I watched that a couple of years ago. I watched it. There's a, a lake here in, in Austin where they show the movie in the water. And everybody sits in the water and watches the movie. And then there's divers that swim under you and grab your legs and stuff. Oh, and no, 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 no. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty wild. And awesome. uh, we, we went to that. And I remember watching the movie going, this movie is so good. And you can see that it's not technologically up to speed to today's movies. But still, it's so well done. It's just such a great movie. You just gotta, it's just one of those classic movies that will always impact audiences. It really is. It's truly a great movie. And, you know, I, I don't like when they remake all these movies and they they ruin it, but there are just like six scenes with Jaws himself that's like, ah, oh, if we could just do that, just slightly keep everything else perfect. If we just maybe fix Jaws, look a little more sharky. And and there's a scene where they're under, well, under the water and that's these, and then I think they end up using nurse sharks to film. Oh, yeah. And you could just see that they're not the 30 foot shark yeah you know? and then when he's sinking the boat and he can quit but it's still even a great scene like well that probably isn't what a real shark would do but hey i'm on board love jaws i think it's great you know there's, think- a, there's a blooper in there at least one but one that we always saw one of the guy when he's in the rowboat and the shark tips the boat over and then they see his leg coming to the bottom just yeah, a yeah. leg floating to the bottom well when that when he's in the boat, he's barefoot. And when that leg floats to the bottom, it has a shoe on it. Oh, he had time to and throw shoes on as he was getting flipped. Just as the boat flipped. Right. Yeah. And uh, so that was fun. We always thought that was fun when we saw that part. And then the best part for us was when the head fell out of the boat. Oh, yeah. Uh, they were diving. Because, and Yeah. During the movie, during when, we, when was that theater? Because we went and saw it about eight times. We just loved that movie. And we got to where we'd go up on the balcony because we knew when that head was going to fall out and then all the popcorn would fly. So we got to watch all the popcorn fly. <laughs> it was funny. And we just loved that movie. It just captivated us. There was something about movies then. All the movies now, if it's not about a superhero, they're not making it or there's going to be zero budget for it. I know. And it's very I painful. Know. But all of that late 70s, the Close Encounters, Jaws, going into Indiana Jones. I just watched all oh, the yeah. Indiana Joneses with with my son. He's great uh, movie. nine years old, loved all yeah. of it. But all the Indiana Joneses going into Goonies and Star Wars. Like, oh, it's just such a great time for movies. Yep. Real classic. Yeah. yeah. And now I can't even tell you the last good movie that came out probably in the last 10 years. Like if it, They're all superhero movies. They're, they're yeah, and I don't understand. I don't. I have trouble following some of them. The one I liked was Doctor Strange. I didn't see that one. Oh, the first one. I didn't like the second one. I don't like any of them since. But the very first one, I didn't even know it was Marvel. Someone had to tell me it was Marvel. But um, I just love the story and how his ego got demolished. And he wanted one thing, and but he had to do another thing to get that one thing. And by the time he got that one thing, there were other things more important and I just thought that was a great story. And that movie I really liked. But I, w- I don't think I'd put it on the level of Jaws. But it's one of the ones in the last, well, that would have been four or five years ago, that I would think of highly. But most of them are just special effects. 
Yeah. If I can watch that independently, then I'll check that out. But there was a time I was watching the Spider-Mans and then I missed the part and I was telling somebody like, oh no, if you saw Captain America three, they answered the, I was like, why, what, I didn't know I had to watch Captain America to watch Spider-Man. It's too yeah, much. I know. They're all connected I, and it's great, but I, I can't watch 50 movies. Well, I didn't even know this was connected. So it was just a story in and of itself for me. Yeah. I, I like that. It was pretty cool. So you might like it. Yeah. Standalone. I'll check it out. I'll see if I can find that. I'm sure it's yeah. on Disney. I think Disney. Just Doctor, it, but... I think it's just Doctor Strange. So same uh, character that played him in the Marvel movies later. But okay. I can't yeah. keep up with those. I can't keep up with those. And I always have to ask a bunch of questions to my kids <laughs> yeah. or to my wife. And it just wears me out. So <laughs> I get what I can out of them. But they're they're not as great to me as some of these other movies we were talking about. And so it's the reverse of when, uh, you know, my son's watching a movie, you know, I just showed him The Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And I was like, all right, buddy, you can't repeat any of these words. Just don't do that. But the movie's good. And we're watching this question after question after question. I was like, dude, you just have to watch it. I'll answer everything. Then I'll put something on like, you know, the Doctor Strange or in that Marvel universe. And I'm like, hey, can you tell me what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, dad, just watch it. I'm like, no, I, need, I don't understand. It's funny. Do you remember? Do you remember when Alien came out the first time? The fir- no, I don't think. I think I was a little before my time for it. That freaked me out. That movie really scared me. And then Predator came after Alien. Yeah, but but that with uh, who's that actress? Um, I don't Sigourney remember. Sigourney Weaver. Yes, with Sigourney. Yep. Wow, that was a great movie, and that's very scary. And uh, she did a great job acting in that movie. I remember even the theater that I saw it in. So that's I put one of that as up there as one of those classic movies in that time. So well, scary. So before I showed my son Predator, I really had to think about the language. And I was like, well, you know, is, is the juice worth the squeeze? So I started off with Alien versus Predator. And I was like, well, I know this one's fine. And like they cleaned up a lot of the language. So watch this one first. And then so I started thinking about the Alien movies. I was like, what well, I show him? I prefer to show him in order. I was like, Alien 1 was really, really scary, where Alien 2 was more of an action movie that was slightly scary. So I haven't gone down that road yet, but Alien 1 was... But you're right. It's scary. It scared me. I was a teenager, but it scared me. Anyway, We'll we'll, we'll see what road I go down there with them. Well, I'm glad you're taking care of them, though. (laughs) Watching out for them, because no reason to... Well, when I was his age, my dad wanted to show me the movies he grew up with. But all of that stuff was John Wayne. And, I, and yeah. some of them were pretty good, but there's only so many Westerns I could handle at that time. And it's like, Pops, another movie from 1960? Like, yeah. where's the Easy Rider? He's like, oh, I can't watch that yet. I like, well, I don't <laughs> watch any of this stuff. So I, I try to show my son the Ghostbusters, try to be the good father, show him Ghostbusters, show him the classics, right. Goonies, things things he needs in life to learn and be functional. So many great comedies, too, back, back they then. They don't have it now. You can't be funny they now. Don't have them. They yeah. don't have them anymore. I mean, there were just one after the other that were just brilliant comedies that we think of still. There's still the metaphors that come from them and the illusions that come from them. Yeah. Bill Murray was great. The whole Caddy Shack, the whole, uh, the whole National Caddy. Lampoon they were doing with all uh, that. And as Lauren Bill Michael Martin, was coming out. Steve Martin. Steve yeah. Martin. Just un- and unbelievable. All the Saturday comedian. Live guys were hysterical. Oh, brilliant. But now people and, would rather be mad than be laugh, and I don't got to like just let people tell jokes and yeah, tell not jokes. Be mean, it's funny. The Saturday Night Live recently, just in the last year maybe, 
have been doing some funny stuff. And it's not, it it takes it, it laughs at both sides. You know, it's it's funny to both sides. And some of the news has been hysterical, very awkward. <laughs> and that comedy needs to be a little awkward. It needs to be a little edgy and take you off out of your comfort zone a little uh, and not be politically driven. And right. um, Or do both sides, which it used to be. And then both. people, right, yeah. and that's what you want. And some of their debates were just hysterical in the in the one in the in the Chevy Chase days and the and subsequently right after them, but then it got really bad. It got yeah, really it fell off for a while. Everyone got all Trumpified and however you feel about them, but it just got exhausting. You would see it during the regular news during the day and then sitcoms or whatever it might be. Everyone was taking digs at it and then it's just nobody wants to live in that world. Even if, if you hate the guy, you don't want to live in the world. Of always being reminded you hate them when you're trying to watch an hour or two of TV and escape the real world and be entertained. Yeah, right. Exactly. We got to be able to do that. Yeah, decompress. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's part of, you know, I I feel like some of that is intentional to create that chaos. And then they can come out with, hey, guys, there's aliens. And then nobody cares because they're so busy. They need to get back and find out which tribe, which side they're on is telling them what to think and be mad about. It's like, no, yeah. there's amazing things being told to you right now. And if we all told the media that's what we want to hear more of, they would be forced to go do that. I, I don't know. I, they might not I be. Hope, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. How does, I mean, some of the things they're doing, I just can't figure out. And so it doesn't make sense, but maybe they would. I, you'd think ratings would matter to them, but, no, but I, don't I don't know. know. I'm excited for these hearings. I, hopefully something good comes out of the <laughs> UFO hearings. I hope, I hope so, too. I hope they're public, uh, open door. I know I really would be interested in in watching it and seeing what's said. Yeah, I as public as they can be because yeah. because we need to get things out in the open and be honest about stuff. Because they were coming yeah. out, so this whistleblower act is supposed to protect them from retaliation, and they're allowed out of their non disclosures to the whistleblower act, and they can report to, I guess, Congress. And I forget one of the reporters. Was saying that more whistleblowers have come have come to them to start telling their stories a little bit, but some of their non disclosures allegedly threaten death, that they could be killed for revealing what they know, and this was a reporter was saying this, and I, that's crazy, that's crazy, that's just nuts. That's the um, stuff I want to hear though. Come on, they're the people. Get them. Yeah, they're the ones you want to hear, right? Yeah, yeah. So. I don't know. I hope I hope we get more and more honest coverage of it. I really do. No, I, I hope so. We'll see. But Tim, I appreciate your time. I don't want to take up all your night. I really appreciate it. So well, book I, two is just starting now. You're in yeah. the, uh, is this a research process? What, what's your writing process? Well, for my process is I got to research a little and write and look at read books. I'm just got a book on Native American legends and myths in the area. And I'm looking at finding another book and, and just reading some history, some nonfiction type stuff. And then thinking through characters and what characters are going to be like. And then once I I feel like something just clicks, I sit down and start writing. And I'll just pro- keep writing until I finish it. And some of it just comes as I write. but But I have to do a little bit to get ready for that. I don't outline. I just, I'm what they call a plotter. (laughs) So (laughs) there's usually planners and plotters. Those are the two. I'm the plotter, but 
but I got to do a little bit of intellectual research and thinking and reading and studying before I'm able to just let loose and write. So, and my guess is I would like to have it written, maybe not final edited written, but written by Christmas. Okay. And for me, I work full time, so I can't just write all the time. So, and, but once I get started, I can do two or three pages a day. And that's what I'm going to shoot for. If I I can do that, that would be great. And then you just multiply that by, you know, somewhere around 200 pages is probably what it'll be. Right. That's what the last one was. That seems to be what people like. So I wrote a children's book series that I independently published on Amazon. And it's about a fourth grade spy. So, you know, I'd I'd go on Twitter, whatever it might be. And so I would see an article about special apps technology. And that stuff has always interested me. And I would put it off to the side, I would save the link. And I'd have this whole Word document of of different links so I can go back and read. And then one day it kind of clicked to me. I was like, let me see if I can start writing. I was already, I was always a decent writer. And when I was growing up, that R.L. Stein would write these goosebump books. And you know, they probably came out when I was like fourth grade or something. And every month he would have a new book that would come out. Like that's how much he was cranking out. But in that fourth grade time period, me and all my buddies, like, we needed that book. So when the new book would come out that month, you would go get it. And so it was like volume one, volume two, Night of the Living Dummy, uh, Say Cheese and Die, all these funny, ridiculous titles. And it was just little kids, horror, like very minor horror but so i like that and so i went to write my book my middle grade book and i found out how many pages rl stein's book was how many uh, like the word count in there you can find that on amazon like okay so they're about twenty four thousand words all right well twenty four thousand divided by 30 days and because he came one out every month i was like oh if i could ever kind of do this so my first one took a, a lot longer my first one took a lot longer than a month surprisingly but I came down with the thoughts like if every day, if I can just write 500 words, and sometimes those words were, you know, uh, the spy was very, 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 very. If I got my 500th word, that was fine. Right. And other times right. I was flying through and like just, just firing away. Yeah. Right. And I tried to write it in order, but every once in a while you do have that that idea that I'm like, oh man, I have to. I know this page is coming 50 pages from now, but it's fully in my head. And on yeah. that occasion, I'd have to put it on another page, but I, I like to right, write in right. order as I was going. So I'm very right. much the, the, the plotter as, as you are. There wasn't this great plan and, and all of that, but it, it gets tough. Sometimes you're sitting there, that writer's blocks real. Yeah. Can I, can I say one quick thing of course. Uh, before we go? Yeah. Um, when I was finishing up my book, I had an editor that I had known for a while that was helping me. And she suddenly told me that she thought my characters were using firearms in an unsafe manner and she couldn't help me anymore. And, and Packed up and left on that? Just quit, unless I was willing to rewrite the book. I'm not going to rewrite the book for it. So I had to finish a lot, all the, you know, a few chapters of editing and some touch-up stuff that she didn't quite get done. And I'm not the best editor. That's not my strongest suit. I did the best I could, and I had a deadline I had to get it done by. And so I published it. I've since gone back and cleaned it up a little bit. But right now, I have a pro editor who's editing, who's cleaning it up, and we're going to do all those updates in uh, in this month. And then it'll be cleaner. 
it it's it's lived on its storytelling and its and its character development that's got great reviews perfect but there has there is some faux pas when it comes to editing and I but I care about that and I'm getting it fixed I just got thrown into a difficult circumstance with you know suddenly and I I had to I had to get it up because I kept thinking if I keep putting this off I'm gonna put it off forever and I'm glad I did get it up there because I got to see what people thought of it and there's a, been a whole ton more good than there'd been a couple guys that were upset about uh, typos here but most people loved it you know and the good news is if they bought it on Kindle, once you make these updates, their Kindle's fixed and they'll get over it. Yeah, they'll get it. And yeah. I'm making an effort to do it. So I just want if people get it and they're, you know, frustrated by that, please I understand, but I'm fixing it. And yeah. and you'll like the story, read the story, enjoy the story, and I'll get the, the other stuff fixed for you. Okay. Right. Sometimes and if people, people are really upset because they bought the book and they feel like they want the fixed book, we'll just Text me and let me know, and I'll work something out for you. So, Tim says I'll help you out. I say, yeah. guys, appreciate the effort and the time that somebody's putting into into this. For instance, this podcast is not the cleanest thing possible. We do our best here. This is a, right. a one man show, and I hope you guys enjoy it. It's but a one man give show. some creative, you, you know, there, there's some little creative leniency yeah. you have to give people. Yeah, no, that's all I ask. But yeah. I'm doing the best I can. So. I know, I know you are. The Kindle updates are great, though. You, you know, they're yeah, awesome. I found one error on mine that I fixed it. It was like, zoop, done right away. I was like, oh, perfect. Never even happened. But that's yeah. it. Tim, I appreciate it. I hope hey, you, you appreciate you. Yeah. But, all right. Right before I let you plug all your stuff, hold on. I hope that when book two is ready to come on, this is an open door for you to come oh, on whenever you want. Uh, the the Moon Brothers, man. I'm looking for a Moon Brothers podcast. You want to bring your brother on, too. And I've done that with other part. If you want to do it, I'll get him in. He'll do it. Yeah, awesome. I'm in. Okay, so Perfect. let me let me talk to him. He works full time too. He's a contractor, so we got to work. And he's in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm in Texas, so we have big time schedules that we have to work through. But I'm happy to do. It. We can do that offline. Yeah. Perfect. And yeah. Work through that. Yeah. But but he does, and he really loves the book. He's a bigger fan of the book than me, almost. So that's awesome. Uh, so, but yeah, we'd love to, I'm no, I know he'd love to come on. Awesome. Thank you. That'd be great. And I'm going to show you that Stephen Greer stuff so you can check him out, but okay. where can people find you and where can people find the book? Okay. The book is just tomato fields and it's on Amazon. If you type in tomato fields and my name, Tim moon, it'll come right up for you. Okay. And it's on Kindle. It's on Kindle university. So if you're, if you part of their system, you can read it for free and you can get a paperback. And I'm working on audio, doing a getting an audio version in some manner, also. So, which is also very expensive. So I just can't do everything all of a sudden, but I'm working on it. Also, you can reach me on my Instagram is the easiest. It's just tomato underscore fields. And that'll I'll come right up. Or you can email me at cryptic mysteries23 at gmail.com perfect Cryptic. i'm gonna put all these links in the show notes and I'll, yeah and i'll send all that to you if you need yep. more i'll send it all to you yeah great but yeah okay i'll and, upload uh, that that'll be good to go uh you were saying mm, i had something i had a funny joke somewhere it was gone i should just went with it i should just jumped in and had my joke yeah, yeah. That's all right. I guys tune in that next happens. episode the jokes will be flowing faster that's good <laughs> yeah. okay yeah tim i sincerely appreciate hey, well, it 
Thank you so much. You have a great night. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. All right, everyone. That was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date in all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guests. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time. 